Friends, once again, my name is Mitchell Boone. I am the senior pastor here at White Rock, and we are, um, we're glad you're here, especially if you're a guest, if you just kind of found us on our stream, welcome. We are, um, we're delighted to have you. And last week, we started a brand new worship series entitled Love Local. We are pondering and examining, and hopefully then we can begin to act to love God, to love our neighbors, and to love ourselves. That is um, at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and it is kind of where we'll center ourselves for the next several weeks um, because we think it's important. And it's a good way for us to begin this year. And of course, with everything that's happening in the world, we need to live, um, to live out the gospel in all the ways we can, in all the areas of our life and our faith. Um, and so I am excited to be in this series with you all. Um, you know, the goal is that, that as we profess Jesus as Lord, right, Profession and belief are tied together, but, but then we, we hope that we can begin to act as if Jesus is Lord of our life. And that statement and then acting that way uh, really leaves no room in our life where Jesus isn't Lord, right? So if we profess and we believe and we try to act as if Jesus is Lord of our life, that means that every aspect of our life will be touched by the power and love and grace of God. Uh, the gospel is the gospel for all of us and for every aspect of our life. And this way of being in the world then, I think, gives way for us to be able to love all of creation. And when I say love, I mean having a deep respect and care, and care for all those things and people and places that we encounter. And so today we are focused on how we live in community together, how we live specifically in our areas of influence and in the places that we call home. That has as much to do with our faith as anything, right? So how are we good neighbors? How do we practice um, uh, our faith in the places we shop and participate in the economy? How do we behave at work? How are we in our family units, right? Um, our faith has something to say about that. And so I want to get right into it. Our reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke, and I'll be in the ninth chapter, reading verses 10 through 17. I invite you to hear these words. On their return, the apostles told Jesus all that they had done. He took them with him and withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. And when the crowds found out about it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close and the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countrysides to lodge and get provisions for we are here in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. 
And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled. What was left over was gathered up, 12 baskets of broken pieces for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer, the one who calls us to live generously with all that we have. May we have the courage to respond and the wisdom to know how important that is to both our life and our faith. Amen. So back in the spring of uh, 2019, we began working um, really hard on a uh, discipleship plan for our church. We've been um, kind of rolling it out over the past uh, few uh, semesters, and it's really kind of stuck. And the idea of this discipleship plan is, is really simple. It is to kind of bind together our programming and our events, our missional ministries, our Bible studies, right, uh, to make sure that we are pulling in the same direction, right? Churches of all different denominations of theological persuasions have something to say about discipleship, and uh, every church that I've been a part of emphasizes it a little different, um, but here at White Rock, I want us to uh, find our footing in our specific context here in East Dallas, and instead of really abandoning what we've adopted really as our tagline for the past five years, this idea to live local, to worship local, and serve local, rather than trying to kind of do away with that, we decided that we would lean into it. And, um, and in doing so, we, we believe that we've developed a discipleship plan that is rather holistic and makes sense for us as a church. Um, and I think that it continues to provide us with significant purpose as we continue to move through this really challenging year. And I think it'll provide a significant purpose as we move out of this year and into our future. And so I, I say all that to let you know that, that we are still really committed to our discipleship model and our our programming here at White Rock, we believe that we have developed something that is of a significant worth to us as individuals and to us as a community. And, and it really starts with this idea of, of rooting ourselves in this local identity, right? Um, said another way, it, we want to focus on our areas of influence in the areas that we call home right? Because when we do that well, it leads us to see the world as our parish, right? If, if we can get that right, if we can get our faith right in the spaces that we occupy daily, then we are far more likely to engage with a beautiful and diverse, complicated world uh, with compassion and with love. 
And so there are four areas of our discipleship plan. There's live and worship, study and serve. And the church, the church with a capital C as a whole continues to spend significant time and energy on really three of those, worship, studying and serving, right? Those are the classic pathways of discipleship and spiritual formation. But how we live in community that is, how we adapt our faith to our daily experiences, right? That actually matters. It matters a great deal to our development as disciples. How does the gospel of Jesus Christ impact your daily life, right? Your participation in that daily grind, right? How can the gospel of Jesus Christ affect the relationships you have. Now, I know that kind of sounds kind of uh, rather ultra conservative or evangelical when I say impacting the relationships we have. We may shudder at that. I remember uh, when I was in high school, I had a friend who... Um, who started attending a, a non-denominational church uh, that was very uh, big on piety. And one day he met with, uh, with me and told me that we could no longer be friends because I, I listened to Snoop Dogg. Um, ultimately, though, he, he realized a week later that it was all a bit ridiculous. But, but I, I know that this idea that... Um, that our relationships being impacted by our faith can make us cringe a bit because we've seen the harm that the church has done in terms of deciding who we can hang out with or who's in or who's out or who we can love. But I want you to know that, that we do believe here at White Rock that our faith impacts our relationships. How can we become more compassionate? How can we love deeper those folks that we have significant difference with. And today's gospel reading, I think, really invites us into this place of contemplation and action as we ponder what it means to live within the community. Of course, on the surface, it may seem like Jesus's feeding of the 5,000 seems like another one of his radical and socially alter, altering acts of mercy and that's really all the story is. And there is no doubt that hungry people need food. And Jesus quite literally makes a way in the des deserted places, right? The desert, the wilderness uh, to feed folks. More on that in a minute. And certainly the act of feeding folks is enough. We should never, right, devalue the act of feeding hungry people. Jesus out of rather small offering of bread and fish meets the need of all those who have gathered to hear him proclaim the good news. Jesus feeds those who are hungry and thanks be to God for that. But beyond the miracle, I think, is an invitation for us to think more critically about our role and purpose in community. And it really starts with this idea of food, right? Because the gospel of Luke centers food and um, analogies and, and, and conversations about food throughout the entire gospel. In fact, food is mentioned or referenced in every single chapter in the gospel of Luke, 
Whether it's Jesus speaking to the importance of feeding the hungry, whether it's scenes of fellowship at the table, whether it's images of harvest, whether there's analogies to good and bad fruit, whether Jesus is eating with the wrong people or eating at the wrong time, food is at the center of the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus spends a lot of time, in fact, in the Gospel of Luke, either going to a meal, eating a meal, or leaving a meal. But more than just a reference to food as being a basic necessity, this food motif underscores the all-encompassing nature of faith and leads us to, I think, an important theological perspective And I think for us to truly understand how we live and how we love, we must first acknowledge that this idea of food is indeed a gift. Food is a gift from God. It's why we are encouraged to pray before meals, to give thanks for the ways in which we have enough right in front of us. But more than that, the breath in our lungs is a gift from God the varying abilities that we all have. That is a gift from God. The ability to ponder, to laugh, to experience, right? That is all a gift from God. Jesus' first move, I think, in this story is to help his disciples and the crowd recognize that our response to this gift, to this blessing that God gives us, is then to share what we have. This becomes critically important in this deserted place where there is nothing of sustenance. The feeding of the 5,000 is really an implicit answer to the question that is raised in Psalm 78, where we read this question of God, can God spread a table in the wilderness? Can God make a way in the wilderness where folks are fed? Can God give bread to meet his people's needs? Can God give meat to meet the needs of his people? That psalm is a reflection on the Exodus story and really the idea that all of creation remains hungry for God's blessing. Jesus answers that question by fulfilling in real tangible ways his earlier promise that he gives the crowds in the sixth chapter where he says that the hungry will be blessed but the full Those folks that have full bellies, they will be challenged. And while this miracle is ultimately performed by Jesus, we can't miss the direct command that Jesus gives his disciples, right? The disciples make their way to Jesus as the afternoon begins to turn dark, And they say, Jesus, send them away. They're hungry. They're tired. We have nothing for them. Send them back into the community so they can fend for themselves, right? And Jesus' response to the disciples is clear, right? You give them something to eat. Essentially, you be generous with what you have. Jesus first asks his disciples, to offer what they have. The gifts that they have, this sustenance that they have, right? Jesus asked them to offer the stuff that can make the situation just a little bit better. And then Jesus blesses what they have. 
right? From this simple act, we get a profound critique on social norms, that being that the desire to see scarcity, to think, to act selfishly, to believe that there is not enough, cannot and will not heal this world. No matter how much we actually believe it to be true, there is no doubt that true healing in this world is not bound up with our scarcity mentality. Jesus shows us here in the Gospel of Luke that he meets his followers in the work of loving and caring for creation with the expectation that they set aside this idea that they do not have enough and begin to be generous with what they have. Indeed, the miracle of this feeding in Luke is to be read not as a past event worthy of our awe and matter uh, at admiration, right? Rather, this event is to be read as a present expectation of followers of Christ to live generously. We are not to read this story of the feeding of the 5,000 and think, wow, Jesus was pretty amazing at creating acts of mercy and miracles in the gospel of Luke. Rather, we are to hear this story as the expectation God has of those who claim Jesus Christ as Lord, that being to live generously. We often talk about generosity around our annual giving campaign, um, which is helpful. I encourage you to be generous in your pledges and your giving of uh, finances to the work of our church. It ensures that we continue doing this important work together to transform our area of East Dallas. But generosity is not just bound up in how we approach our money. The call of Christ demands, I think, that we live day in and day out, striving to be generous in all that we have. To be generous disciples willing to give to others regardless of our notions of worthiness. This way of living, generous living, radically changes not only our lives because we become more like Christ, but it also, in tangible, real ways, changes our communities and our neighborhoods. It changes our schools and our hospitals and our places of government. What would it be like if we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, worked really hard to be generous in all aspects of our life? I believe that this way of living radically changes us, but it also changes our communities. For if we strive after the generosity Jesus invites his followers to possess, we will live very different lives. Our lives will look different. Now what that looks like and how we do that and the creative ways we can grow in our generosity, I'm gonna leave that for the hard work that is our discipleship plan 
There's no way that we'll be able to address all the ways that you can live more generously in your life in one sermon, right? This is an ongoing daily pursuit to live more and more like Jesus. But I want to make no mistake that the call that the gospel makes for all of us, that call that is on our lives as disciples is to indeed live generously in all aspects of our life. There is not one place in our life that Jesus is not Lord, and there is not one place in our life that it is acceptable for us as followers of Christ to not live generously. That is clear, and it is challenging. But it's true. If we proclaim Jesus as Lord, but we never invite our neighbors over for dinner, there is work for us to do. If we proclaim Jesus as Lord, but we never extend grace to our spouse or partner or our children or our parents or our in-laws, right? There is work for us to do. If we profess Jesus as Lord, but we never show up to a PTA meeting because it coincides with the bachelor or with Thursday night football, right? There is indeed work for us to do. If we profess Jesus as Lord, but never shop locally, we never greet our cashiers or express our sincere thanks to those who bust our table or these days deliver our food, right? If we profess Jesus as Lord and don't cover for our coworkers if they need help or can't name any of the children of the person who cleans our home or mows our yard, there is indeed work for us to do how we are in relationship with those we interact with on a daily basis is, is impacted by our faith. We cannot, we cannot profess Jesus as Lord and not live generously in all the relationships and in all the ways that we are in community. There's a lot of work for us to do. But the good news is we don't have to be perfect at this work. God's grace abounds. We don't have to possess everything to make a difference. We don't have to have enough for everyone to make a difference. We don't have to have it perfect to make a difference, right? We just have to learn to be generous with what we have with the gifts that we possess, with the possessions we have, and the um, desires to really impact the communities that we're situated in. That's all we have to have. We don't have to have it all. We just have to be willing to share with what we have. And the good news is this, when we're willing to share what we have, even if it is just five loaves and two fishes, Jesus meets us there blesses it, and cares for all who are in his midst. Thanks be to God for that and for all of you in the generous ways that you live out your faith. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.